Hello. This episode is dedicated to Zerger. If you would like a episode dedicated to you, please leave an iTunes or Stitcher review. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Potter Study, an empath's guide to witchcraft and wizardry. I'm your host, Zara, and today I have Laura with me. Hi, Laura. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am very, very good. Thank you. You're my first, like, North American, I think. Oh my gosh, I'm honored. <laughs> We're doing this, like, during quarantine times as well, so it's it's actually, like, enabled me to, like, have people who I've always talked to about Harry Potter on, like, to actually be on the podcast, because cause you're all the way in the U.S. and I'm all the way here, but now we yeah, can talk I, about it. I never thought I had a shot of being <laughs> part of this. <laughs> here we are. Okay, I'm going to start by asking you some introduction questions. What is your Hogwarts house? Ravenclaw. Do you feel like a Ravenclaw? I do. And I love especially the way you talk about Ravenclaw being like emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think that's the element that I most relate to. Like I related to it just even when you think about it being about intelligence But like, I think I've sent you my like snapshot of like, it's like 51% Ravenclaw and 49% Hufflepuff. Yeah. And I think that is all about like, kindness is like also my main, you know, Mm -hmm. like intelligence and kindness. And I feel like if you think about it as emotional intelligence, then that like captures everything for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And also like, when you think about like the Ravenclaw characters that we know, they're not Hermione's. They're not smart. They're the Mm -hmm. the Trelawneys. They're like like all these characters that you don't really would think of as Ravenclaws, but actually do fit into that description because they're more creative in their way of thinking. And I think Mm -hmm. that captures the house. And yeah. 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 It's not an arrogant intelligence. It's like using the intelligence for good. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself up now, but that's what I like to think about it. You're allowed to. It's your house. (laughs) What is your Patronus? Oh, I love to tell the answer to this question because my Patronus is a dappled mare. No, sorry. My Patronus is a dappled stallion. Okay. Then I made Brad take the Patronus, my mm-hmm. boyfriend, and he got dappled mare. Aww. Oh my yes. God. So it's adorable. And I also think it's very fitting mm-hmm. that I got the stallion. <laughs> We're both horses, but... <laughs> It's like, what is feminine? What is masculine? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you bring in different elements into relationships. Absolutely. And, stuff. and you know what? Knowing Brad, he isn't a stallion. He's a mare. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but we're both majestic, dappled exactly. horses. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm really jealous. You have a good one. I know. I don't know how I left out. The only person I know who got a magical creature is Rob. And he got a festral. Oh, I would have loved that one too. Again, too. horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What class do you think you'd be really good at if you went to Hogwarts? Care of magical creatures. Yeah. Because animals. I, whenever I listen to this podcast and I hear you ask that question, I'm like, I don't know. And then literally (laughs) as I was like doing Hagrid, like preparing Mm -hmm. for Hagrid, I was like, oh, duh. (laughs) That would be my favorite class. Even if I didn't have to take it, like if I had a study hall or something, I think that's where I would like spend my time. Yeah. And you only take it like in your third year as well. So you could like make it your, your thing. Yeah. I'd be back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your favorite character? Okay, this is tough for me because I feel like when I first read the books, I probably would have said Sirius. 
Mm-hmm. But then the movies made me love Luna more. And then re-listening to them now, like we listen to them on audiobooks on our road trips, I think I love McGonagall. Yeah. In my mind, she's like the best of both worlds and that she's like a teacher and she doesn't let them get away with shit. And she's always making sure they're learning their lessons, but she's actually more parental than like Dumbledore is. Like she also yells at them for putting themselves in harm's way and is not mm-hmm. on the down low encouraging. <laughs> she sets like boundaries in a way that a parental figure should. And is the only mm-hmm. basically adult in Hogwarts that sets those boundaries and doesn't play favorites and treats mm-hmm. every, every student the same way where it is like a great mixture of kindness and strictness in a way that every like parental figures should have, like a good one should have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Agree with that. yeah. Yeah. And she's sassy. She has like great comebacks. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's got it all, I think. So I think now that would be my answer. Do you think she's the most underrated character? Yeah. Yeah. I would totally say her. I think that's why like she might not be someone I say, she's my favorite if I thought that she was a bunch of other people's favorites. Cause it's almost like when I listen back to them, like realizing that she wasn't my favorite the first time I listened and you don't hear people talk about her as their favorite that makes me like root for her and like bring her to the forefront and say that she's my favorite. It's really interesting with McGonagall because when I send people the list of characters to do for this podcast, almost every single person is like, Ooh, I wanted to do this character, but then I saw McGonagall on the list. And I thought, Ooh, I kind of want to do McGonagall. And then no one ends up doing McGonagall. I think she's a bit too intimidating that way as well. of Just going like, Ooh, I don't know if I'd want to touch her. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's like a lot, like some of those characters, like, like Dudley, like I wouldn't know what to say, but then I listened to your podcast and like, there's so much good stuff in there that I wouldn't have been able to like take it that direction. But McGonagall has so much that I Mm -hmm. think I kind of think the same thing. Like somebody else has got to have like, I don't know, better insight or more thoughts or something like there's so much to talk about with her I do I do love her and I do I, I am looking forward to talking about her but I'm kind of intimidated <laughs> about talking about her to be honest because yeah maybe you have a round table you could have like multiple yeah. people weigh in all right so today we're talking about Hagrid Rubius Hagrid which mm-hmm. let's start out by saying would have been a great name for one of Harry Potter's children yeah. why in the like Rubius great mm-hmm. Ruby as well yeah Mm-hmm. adorable mm-hmm. instead we got the other one that we don't talk about today but <laughs> so if Hagrid was a real person how would you describe him to someone who's never met him I think the main thing that I take away from him is that he's so kind and good-hearted and always has his heart in the right place and he's such a good supportive friend Like, I think that is, like, the biggest role that he fills in the books, too, Mm -hmm. is, like, if he, like, if he was a real person out in the world and no one had met him, I'd be like, you would be so lucky to have a friend like Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from? I'm going to try not to go on, like, a complete tangent, because I feel like there's so much interesting stuff in Hagrid's backstory, but he, like, if you think about his family like his mother having left him but he did seem to have a really good relationship with his father until his father died and then he had Dumbledore always in his corner like I think there might be something to just like like he's not had the best life he has not been the luckiest but he knows what it feels like to have support and to have someone in your corner like it seems like his dad was that for him and then Dumbledore has been that for him 
And he clearly cherishes those, like forming those connections, like inviting students over for tea. Like he, he's getting something out of it too, right? Like he's forming connections that are fulfilling to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there are like, there are definitely some good examples we can talk about too, that like he goes out of his way to like do something or build something or make something or give you a gift that like makes you feel really supported. Something has shown him that that's like one of the most valuable things I think that you can have in this world. Like you might get kicked out of your school wrongfully. You might, your parents might die. You might be made fun of for being a giant and be, get, like heavy prejudice against you in the world and everything's, you know, the odds are stacked against you in a lot of different ways, but you can still have friends and form these connections and do really simple things that will make life pretty worth living. It's really interesting you say that because I think that Hagrid is one of the most underappreciated characters in the books. I think he's the most hard done by in the books as well. Mm-hmm. By the students, by Dumbledore as well, I think by Mm -hmm. the staff and by the wizarding world as well. And that comes from obviously their prejudice. I think that Hagrid was in a lot of ways set up to fail. Mm -hmm. So every success he's had goes against all these like things that he had to overcome. And that's what makes him so amazing. That's what makes him kind as well, that he knows what hardship feels like. He understands Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. he also doesn't use that against people. Like it's so, it would have been so easy for him to become really disheartened to become really violent, but instead he goes the opposite way where he's so kind and he's so loyal and he's so Mm -hmm. loving as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking like, just again, like reading back through some of the main things that he's been through and like, there are those personal family, like hardships. There are the, like, again, from day one, like being part giant, the world was against him. It like sounded like he was grateful and like, surprised that he even got to go to Hogwarts and then that was taken away from him and then in the books he gets sent to Azkaban at a certain point like there's there's stuff that was stacked against him from the beginning and then there's stuff that like continued to happen um but like especially thinking about that Azkaban element I want to say I realized that Sirius was in Azkaban for many (laughs) more years I mean (laughs) he did not do well (laughs) no no but that's like that is Like, I can't say that, like, if Sirius had had the same support or outlets that Hagrid said, like, I can't say it's 100% apples to apples, but I do think that's an interesting way to think about it is, like, all of the hardships that Hagrid has had against him, Mm -hmm. everything that has happened to him, traumatic, like, objectively traumatic, but he has these connections that he turns to he obviously has like a hobby in caring for magical creatures that is probably healing his soul a little bit you know like that's probably like his meditation and his um just something that fulfills him and he has control over and he is good at and you're and I do think like any hobby could do that but especially his hobby of taking care of another living thing and he saves lives Mm -hmm. um of these animals sometimes that has probably done a lot of good for his mental health like a lot of these characters had a lot of hard stuff against them but Hagrid's got you know one of the most stacked up odds against him and he's still like a really pretty well adjusted happy again supportive good friend like all these things that we see other characters like even Sirius as much as he cared for Harry really struggled to be there for him he, he struggled to put down his own demons yeah. to be there for Harry. I think that if we go back to Hag- Hagrid and Hogwarts, and he started adopting all these dangerous animals around mm-hmm. the age of 12, let's say, 
And I imagine it must have been really difficult being half giant, going to Hogwarts. I don't imagine him having a lot of really good friends, to be honest, that he probably did seek comfort in these animals that other people saw as dangerous as well in the way that people might misjudge him for looking the way he does. And then he mm-hmm. takes them on and he cares for them and he gives them all this love. It yeah. is it is probably like a coping mechanism for him. Yeah. And I can't believe I've not thought of this before because I have a feeling it's probably something J.K. Rowling did intentionally was, you know, giants are seen as dangerous. Yeah. But they're not or they don't have to be. And these animals that he's caring for are exactly the same. They're seen as dangerous, but if you befriend them, if you learn about them and approach them in a way that works for them, mm-hmm. he becomes friends with these yeah. things. You know, as long as he, you're like boundaried with them in the way that they respect, <laughs> like Buck, like Buckbeak, for example, like the hippogriffs, mm-hmm. Hagrid found a way of making them docile, of making them be able to approach students and stuff. And it's only when Draco does what he does that they become violent but Hagrid warned him about that Hagrid learned that about them and he learns what animals are capable of doing and what they yeah and he's just he 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 just treats them with like humanity yeah and I would never I think in the books like J.K. Rowling seems to be setting everything up obviously for you like take Buckbeak's side in general that's how Hagrid sees all animals Bowie my dog as you know not friendly towards everyone will like nip at you He's trained to be in a muzzle so that there's never a situation where he's going to bite someone. But I don't look at him as a bad dog or a dangerous dog. I know what his boundaries are. I know what he can and cannot handle. I can help new people coming into my house adjust for him. And I see him as a very good, amazing, loving dog. I feel like that's how Hagrid looks at all animals. You're not good. You're not bad. You're not dangerous or or not dangerous. You are your own thing. You're your own creature. And if we learn to understand each other, we can work with that. If I treat you with respect, you're going to respect me back. Yeah, absolutely. And to think that one of those animals are the reasons why he got expelled from Hogwarts, actually really heartbreaking. And I, I do wonder, like, as we're talking about it, like, I wonder, like, obviously he would not if he could go back and not be expelled, I think he would. But like, maybe when he's at that end of his career, and he's looking back, or once he becomes established as like the care of medical creatures teacher, and I think it said later, he like trained magizoologists, like, that might have been what he wanted to do anyways. So yeah. like, all said and done, if you if he looks back, maybe he would say, but I wouldn't have sacrificed Aragog, like I wouldn't have given up mm-hmm. defending him especially if he still got to the same place, like maybe it would have been worth it to him. It sounds so terrible to say, cause I know like don't want to be kicked out of Hogwarts, especially not for being blamed for a murder that you mm-hmm. weren't involved in. But I think that is the, I mean, I'm maybe speaking like from, from my own personal perspective too. Like I get the feeling that he would feel similarly in that like, if your passion is these animals, maybe that would have been worth it for you because that's what, that's what you cared about was Aragog and protecting these creatures that needed people to stand up for them and say they're not dangerous and that's what you ended up doing anyways yeah I understand that but also in the back of that I do think that I don't understand why when we found out in book two that it was the basilisk and not Aragog that caused all these things why Hagrid wasn't given the opportunity to go back to Hogwarts to get a wand again and Mm -hmm. to learn magic again Mm -hmm. so that he is actually like a real wizard where he does have those abilities because nothing in the book says that Hagrid is stupid. If anything, Mm -hmm. he's really evolved and he's taught himself. He's self-taught 
so many yeah. things, so many really, really impressive things that yeah. if he was given the opportunity, if he was given the opportunity to learn these things properly and then become a teacher, he mm-hmm. probably would have done a better job at it than yeah. he would have in the book. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I'm like, part of me is not surprised that Hagrid as a person didn't have that like fight in him to say, Hey, see, it wasn't me. But like, what about someone like Dumbledore? Yeah. Like, there are people who have that, not just like that's their personality, but privilege and place in the world that people would listen to them. And that's a really good point. I think his relationship with Dumbledore is actually really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why Dumbledore didn't argue for Hagrid to go back to school is because it didn't serve him. So he mm-hmm. didn't see the reason why he would do it. And I think Hagrid is like the OG groomed boy for talking about Harry being groomed by Dumbledore to kind of do his bidding. Mm-hmm. Hagrid is like the original one who was groomed by Dumbledore to basically trust every single thing he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely think you're right. I was thinking about how Hagrid seems to feel about Dumbledore. Like, as we see, like so many times, like, he mm-hmm. gets in fights trying to defend his name. The like only he, time he gets angry is when someone badmouths Dumbledore. Yeah, like utmost loyalty. And I think it's possible that Hagrid got lots of positive stuff out of that relationship. Like he got support. He got, I mean, he got this job, even though he got expelled, he had someone in his corner. But at the same time, yes, absolutely. Like Dumbledore, extremely similarly to Harry, even though the person on the other end, so Harry or Hagrid was seeing it as this like father figure and protector, there are elements of that that he provided, but both of those people to Dumbledore, they were soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand why he would regard them that way because just because he was trying to look out for all of wizard kind. But when you're the individual who loves him so much and thinks of him as a parent and he says, well, I need to make a decision about what's best for the greater good, even though that means sacrificing you. That's not something a parent would ever do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I compared Dumbledore in another episode to a cult leader, and I will stick by that, where the people who basically worship him, including Hagrid, including Harry, will hear no bad things about him, where they've just been so brainwashed into thinking that he is brilliant every single way, that Mm -hmm. it does feel very culty. It feels like, it doesn't feel like a normal human relationship. It doesn't feel equal in any way. And I don't think Dumbledore saw Hagrid as an equal at all. I think you're Mm -hmm. right. He saw him as a pawn to use. And he, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, manipulated him and took advantage of his kindness and his loyalty and kind Mm -hmm. of spun it around so that he said he would trust Hagrid with his life. And that's because he's trained him to believe every single thing he says. He saw this young boy that was being really, really mistreated and saw an advantage there of going, actually, if, if I go at it in the right way, he's mm-hmm. going he's gonna to serve me in the future. And he does. He does his bidding, like, blindly. He doesn't question it. He never questions Dumbledore. And in mm-hmm. an equal relationship, shouldn't you be able to question the person that is demanding, you, demanding that you do all these fucking weird things for him? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like groomed feels like the right word to me too, because it's not like, it's not like Dumbledore got mad and was like abusive verbally or manipulative outwardly towards Hagrid. It's just the, 
imbalance of power that has always been there because Dumbledore stepped in when Hagrid was a young boy. Again, mother had already passed away or left him. Mm-hmm. His mother had already left him. His father just passed away. Then he got expelled. He's vulnerable. Harry's vulnerable. Yeah. Like just inherently by stepping into that role, like you don't have to be outwardly abusive or manipulative or say, don't you ever, don't you dare say anything bad about me. It's just that power imbalance mm-hmm. that, that through the grooming that mm-hmm. will occur, this blind following. Yeah. And both Hagrid and Harry craved kindness. They just craved someone just showing Absolutely. them that kind of affection. And Dumbledore mm-hmm. did that in a really clever way. Not because he felt it. Well, I do think he cared for both of them in very different mm-hmm. ways. But mm-hmm. I don't think, I think he did it in a very clever and a very manipulative way. Yeah, strategic. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was thought through. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Hagrid's relationship with other teachers at Hogwarts? I think there, like, there seem to be professors who, I'm going to say, are friendly with him. Um, but I think that outsider feel that he probably, we talked about him probably feeling as a student, I don't think that went away ever. And I think someone could be, like McGonagall, for example, I think someone could be absolutely as kind, treat him as an equal, even if McGonagall herself was like, I don't see you any differently. You're an equal teacher to me. I don't think that Hagrid would ever see himself as equal just because of like, he, he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't finish his school. He didn't apply for the job in the same way that these other people did. It was, you know, Mm -hmm. I still absolutely think he's the most deserving person on the planet, the most capable person on the planet, but him as a person, I don't get the impression that he would ever raise himself to that level in his own mind that he sees himself on the level of the other teachers so that he that would allow him to interact with them as though they were all equals. I think that he definitely lacks self-confidence. I think yeah. he's actually probably the most the least self-confident mm-hmm. character in all the books because the moment anyone criticizes him, he crumbles. True. And it's actually heartbreaking to see because mm-hmm. it's things that he's so good at. Like mm-hmm. Queer Magic of Creatures. This is his game. Like he is he is probably the best person to teach it if he was given the right opportunity mm-hmm. to like learn how to teach it. But instead, like as soon as Draco criticizes him, he just wilts. As soon as Umbridge does it, he just wilts. As soon as any other students like, why are you doing that? Hagrid's like, oh I don't I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't and it's just so mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And it makes sense too, like if you think about the approach of he's not like he's someone who just has a deep love, passion for, and knowledge in this subject matter. So someone said, Hey, why don't you teach versus being a teacher who then like learns how to teach a subject, like that's a very different approach. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and he should be gentle on himself because of that. And obviously he's not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not something you can learn overnight, how to be able to relate information to other people. That's something that comes from years and years of experience. And also like he shouldn't fucking judge himself based on like Hogwarts teachers because some of them are not good teachers. Snape, for example, great (laughs) potion maker. Is he a good teacher? No, he isn't. Because we know that like everyone's grades get get better when Slughorn teaches them. That's because Slughorn is a good potions teacher. Snape isn't. Snape is like brilliant in a lot of different ways. Doesn't Mm -hmm. make him a good teacher. Hagrid is yeah. a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Snape is actually probably a good, like, also I think of Snape as the type of person who, like, clearly, as we learned in the Half-Blood Prince, like, he was good at that subject. Yeah. And it's almost like one of those people who's like, I majored in history. What do I do with it? I guess I'll teach. Yeah. You know, like, he didn't seem to have the same passion for 
helping students mm-hmm. gain knowledge. It was just that he liked potions. And so what are you going to do? You're going to teach potions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If like, if we were to ask Hagrid, why do you care for all these dangerous creatures? What do you think he would say? I think he would say probably something similar to what we we're saying, like, cause they all deserve care and people misunderstand them and there's value that that I feel like he gets out of forming those bonds but I also think it's almost like a mission of his to prove that they're not that bad or they're not it's not that they're inherently bad that makes them dangerous they might be dangerous but it's not because they're bad creatures I think that that's like the first thing that I think he would say is like, because they deserve care. I care for them because they deserve care. Do you think there is an animal that Hagrid wouldn't be able to defend or would, wouldn't want to? Maybe Dementors. <laughs> yes. I can't hopefully. imagine him caring for Dementors. I also do think like when you said like that he wouldn't care for or wouldn't want to, like, I think there is like a, I don't know if flaw is too strong of a word, but like in his desire to, Like it is, there are times where it feels like it's a desire to prove more than a desire to help, if that makes sense. And I think it's easy to conflate those two, right? Like if I'm trying to prove that this animal isn't dangerous or something, I think it's in the best interest of that animal, but sometimes the best interest of the animal is to be like left the hell alone. Sometimes he wants to care for things or he wants to like own them as a pet. And it's not actually in the best interest of the animal. I do think those things get conflated for him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like the dragon in book one. Should you yeah. have a pet dragon, Hagrid, when you live in a wooden hut? No. <laughs> shouldn't. No. And like, and there, there are like a couple things. I think, so wasn't there something that was like he was raising werewolf puppies under his bed or something? Yeah. But that, I think it was like, that wasn't proven. That was like part of the like argument against him and why mm-hmm. he should be expelled so that's not like 100% proven um but then obviously like, he breeds blast-ended scroots like there are things that's like, you like you aren't putting the best interest of the animal first that doesn't mean you're bad at taking care of them you're still like doing your best to take care of the animal since you brought it here since mm-hmm. you brought the dragon into your hut since you bred the blast-ended scroots into the world but that's not the same thing as putting the best interest of the animal or the creature absolutely at the forefront Mm because sometimes that would mean and I think I guess he does eventually like let some of them go on to whatever environment is better suited for them but it's just really hard for me to not feel annoyed or angry at everyone around Hagrid for treating Hagrid the way they treat Hagrid which is very like as a tertiary character it's not even like Mm. someone Mm -hmm. worth considering my friend Lauren always says that when when people criticize Hagrid for 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 example, like buying an egg off a stranger in a pub. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, but this is probably someone who showed him interest, who showed him mm-hmm. kindness, who was like mm-hmm. talking to him as an equal that Hagrid kind of relaxed and was like, oh, okay, yeah. You want me to talk to you about all these magical creatures that I keep at Hogwarts? I'll tell you about the three-headed dog. I'll do it like because they're showing him the humanity that he like fucking craves. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he he is going to loosen up and he's mm-hmm. gonna want to talk about it more it makes me really angry when i wouldn't say when anyone calls Hagrid dumb but i do mean like in the books when they make jokes about him being dumb or like loose lift or whatever like he's you know accidentally left out these secrets anytime anyone alludes to like Hagrid's intelligence so like yes he like you said i think he craves connection and he 
I don't think that's a lack of intelligence. I think it's a presence of heart that he is able to connect with a strange dude in a pub and a, like, he's not the type of person who's like, maybe I should like worry about you. You know what I mean? He approaches everything with an open heart. That's a huge strength. Sure. Sometimes it gets him into trouble, but there are lots of character flaws that get lots of people into trouble. Look mm-hmm. at Harry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not a lack of intelligence at all. It's a lack of human connection in his everyday life that he has to seek that mm-hmm. out from strangers. It's, yeah. it's a flaw of some of everyone around him who doesn't, who don't see the good in him that treat him like, yeah. oh, he's just the weird games keeper. Yeah. Like, and I think he's like good at forming those connections on the fly or like, I mean, Harry, like when you see his reintroduction to Haggard, when Haggard comes back, like there is this like instant connection. Mm-hmm. And yes, Harry is also in that vulnerable position, but I do also think Haggard has a skill almost at like warmth and connecting with people and yes. yeah and if other people aren't doing it then the stranger at the pub is the mm-hmm. lucky recipient of this friendship he's always being described as like having kind eyes and I think that's a perfect mm-hmm. way of like just think of Hag- Hagrid that he looks terrifying but actually in his heart he's just so gentle yeah just like all of the magical beasts <laughs> do you think Hagrid has a relationship with students outside of the trio? That is a really good question. I don't, but I, it could be a, you know, a limitation of the books being written through Harry's point of view, but I suspect not. And I think we could like back up that suspicion by saying, by referring back to like what we've been talking about. Like it doesn't really seem that the other professors maybe treat him the same. And even if they did, he wouldn't hang out with them. And I think that would probably trickle down into students feeling comfortable or or in this case like not feeling comfortable like spending time with him it's not like he has office hours like the other (laughs) professors might or office at all like Mm -hmm. I do think there are I suspect that like as a function of the way his position is at Hogwarts most students wouldn't think of him yeah and he's probably not going out of his way to form those connections with them the same way like he and Harry had this you know kind of unusual circumstance he went to pick him up at his uncle's house like there are some unusual circumstances that made that connection very easy to form. And I think I don't see a lot of effort being made by the students or by Hagrid, probably for anyone else to form that connection. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about Harry for a second. What do you think of Hagrid and Harry's relationship? I think, again, I think Hagrid is the best friend to have in your corner. I was talking with Brad about this and talking about how there are elements of like a parental need that I think Hagrid fills for Harry but I don't see Hagrid as a parental figure for Harry I see them strongly as like friends Mm -hmm. because similar to what we talked about with Dumbledore but like in a more innocent way I just don't think that Hagrid is the most important thing for me is that this child survives (laughs) in the world because sometimes he puts them in really dumb positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like anytime the Forbidden Forest is involved, like that's not a parental decision. I think yeah. he's like, and I, I think too, like part of the reason I think that they are on that friend plane in my mind is because I, I see Hagrid as not seeing himself as any different than Harry, like not seeing himself as a superior or, you know, I, th- I think he relates to him very much as though they're like just two people bumbling through the world trying to... <laughs> Trying to have a good time and make a connection. It's a bit sad, but I think 
Hagrid relates to Harry way more than Harry relates to Hagrid. And I think Mm. Hagrid sees Harry as a way better friend than Harry probably Mm. sees Hagrid. It feels like a bit of an imbalanced relationship because Hagrid doesn't have a lot of people and Harry has more. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I do feel like there are times in the books too, where you can tell that like Hagrid's like a little bit hurt about them, like not coming to see him or not telling him something. And they kind of are like, well, we're the core three. Like what we didn't even think of you. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the books, I think it's in book four after Hagrid was outed where Hagrid says to Harry, you and I are so similar. We're both orphans. We both like, we have so much in common. And Harry's just a bit like, "Uh, okay. It just makes him really uncomfortable because I don't think he wants to see himself as an equal to Hagrid, which is Mm. really sad. Yeah. Like I can see why as a child, you would see that and be like, that's not what success looks (laughs) like, but it is sad. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to read something and tell me if you remember this because I don't and I screenshotted this. So this says that after, um, in book one, Mm -hmm. So after Hagrid learns that it was his fault, that like information was leaked, he was loose-lipped and all that stuff, and Voldemort was able to attempt to kill Harry. Um, So Hagrid felt so much guilt. And he said, this says, as an apology, Hagrid spent the time that Harry was unconscious, sending off owls to some of his parents' old school friends, assembling an album of wizarding photos of Harry's parents for him. Yeah, I remember that? that, yeah. I don't remember that. And I feel like that's me basically being Harry. Because if someone did that for me in the real world right now, I'd be like, you, we need to be buried together. You're the best friend. I don't deserve you. That is the kindest, most, so much heart. Like that is the most thoughtful thing any person could do for another person. Mm -hmm. I can't even believe that I forgot that that happened, but I feel like that's what Harry's like. He's like, whatever. It's just Hagrid (laughs) being Hagrid, but Hagrid from the beginning, it's just so kind. And that's the book that it's basically the only memory Harry has of his parents as well, because in book three, Mm -hmm. when he finds out about Sirius, that's a book that he consults to find a picture of Sirius, you know, like it's all these like, (laughs) (laughs) it's all these things that, yeah, relate back to Hagrid, but Hagrid every year, sends Harry a birthday card, sends him cakes, sends him all these things. And Harry, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, really ungrateful for Hagrid because he always criticizes his baked goods and stuff. I know, I get that it's in Harry's head. He's never said those things out loud, I don't think, to anyone. But it's still a bit, (laughs) just feels a bit unkind. Has has he he ever bought Hagrid a Christmas present? I don't remember him talking about that. Yeah, not that I can remember. Not that my memory is perfect on all the details, but... (laughs) I do. And I do think like his cooking, like there are some things that you get the characterization of. It's almost like written, like you're supposed to pity Hagrid. You're supposed to see that imbalance and be like, oh my gosh, Hagrid is so like desperate. But I don't see it that way. Maybe just because I think it's like the most precious thing that a human being could do is just be so these like, they take no time. They, you know what I mean? Like they take, well, that took time, time, but like not money, but like but Mm -hmm. so much thought and like understanding of who the person is that you're giving the gift to. I don't look at that and think like, Oh my God, that's so pathetic. That's so desperate. I look at that and I think we should all strive to be more like Hagrid. And even if Harry doesn't reciprocate it, I, I, maybe this is hopeful. I, I don't want to see it as like desperate and pathetic because I still think that Hagrid, it's not that he has a ton of other friends or anything, but like he was living his life before Harry and he continues after and he 
has again he has his like care caring for magical creatures like he has hobbies and things that he can pour himself into he's definitely like you know happier to have friends in the world and have a connection with harry but i don't like i said maybe it's just like wishful thinking but i don't like to think that it's pathetic i like to think that he's like i'm gonna be kind and i'm gonna be a good friend and it does I don't, i'm not doing it so that i can get something back i'm doing, doing it because it's credit. the right thing to do yeah 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 he doesn't yeah you're right he does it because he just it's the way he would want to be treated so that's why he does it which makes me again more sad yeah. because no one yeah. treats him that way. yeah no one extends that kindness back to him even yeah. though he's so kind. Madame Maxime. Oh, yeah. What a bee. She missed out. <laughs> Let's talk about that, then. Let's talk about, like, when he was outed by Rita after his conversation. Dumbledore says that he's gotten an outward, like, gotten so much support from other students who remember Hagrid from from their time at Hogwarts and that they all want him to come back. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that's something Dumbledore would have just said to make Hagrid feel better? Really interesting question. I assumed it was true. I think it's definitely possible either way. I think it is possible that there were people, like, I like to think that if you and I were students at Hogwarts, even if we weren't Harry Potter and we weren't going over for tea, we would still be like, again, I would just be like, well, I love hanging out with animals. So like. (laughs) I feel like you and Hagrid would be friends. (laughs) I feel like you would. I still would be going over for tea, even though I'm not the chosen one. But like, I still like to think that there could still be students that are just like nice people and are like, it's not like, even if I don't like his class or whatever, like that doesn't mean that I don't understand that he's a nice deserving person and doesn't mm-hmm. deserve all this against him yeah I don't know I don't I, w- I would like to hope that d- people are con- like maybe someone like Molly and Arthur would write letters to Dumbledore mm-hmm. saying Hagrid mm-hmm. is a good man yeah but I also don't put it past Dumbledore to manipulate Hagrid into not doing that yeah I'm not ruling that possibility out for sure what is like one of your favorite Hagrid moments oh my god well, now it's now it's that with the <laughs> with the gift. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Apart from that, honestly, I I like part of why I like him as a character is all of the interactions with animals because I like relate to it. Not buying dragons off the black market, but um, <laughs> I am very strongly like I wouldn't do something if I thought that it would not be in the best interest of the animal. So all at the same time, a lot of the animal interactions, I'm like, oh, I, like I love Buckbeak and I love that he, you know, like defends him and like wants to save his life. But at the same time, but he's also the reason that Buckbeak ended up almost yeah. dying is because he was trying so hard to prove this point that he put Buckbeak in a situation basically over his threshold. So maybe I would say like, I remember loving um, when he, you know, like when he comes to get Harry and he storms in and he's using his umbrella to like, <laughs> is that when he turned Dudley into a pig was like the very first time? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He is so kind, but do not mistake his kindness for weakness. Yeah. Like I lo- I do love that about him too. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like some of the most angry, I think I've been in the book is Umbridge talking to Hagrid. And when she's talking like this to him, because it, it comes from like a classist thing as well in the UK where class, class prejudice is a huge thing that is largely unacknowledged. But I do think that the way Hagrid talks is very working class, even like it's very Cockney. It's very East London. Yeah. I don't know where he got this accent from because <laughs> he's lived in fucking Scotland for how long? 
Okay. <laughs> You're a wizard, Ari. <laughs> but it is very working class. And I do think there comes that extra prejudice of not him not only being half giant, but when you have that accent around here, people assume that you're stupid. When we know Hagrid is not stupid. He might not be educated, but that is not stupidity. He's so intelligent in so many other ways. I was also thinking about Corona tie-in. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how like that idea of some people having a tough time following rules basically with Corona because they have not had to practice. They've like not had to flex the muscle that requires you to do things you don't want to do or not or avoid things that you do want to do for the greater good, for your, for your safety, not for your like pleasure or fun seeking. And Hagrid, I think is good at that, which is sad that he's had to someone like Umbridge, like talks to him, like he's dumb. And he's like, you're not worth my time. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to make this decision. Like, are you going to get into a fight? Are you going to risk your safety knowing that you're not the privileged one, like you're probably not the one who's going to win or do you just like bite the bullet and this isn't worth it to me. And I think Hagrid has had to do that a lot of times because of people making all these assumptions about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also think that when it comes to Hagrid, we need to, he isn't a not, he is flawed character, but Mm -hmm. I think that in general, because of his loyalty, it's really difficult to criticize him in any way. And that's why Harry and and Harry and Ron refuse to criticize his teaching when it is atrocious let's be real (laughs) and Hermione is the only one who's like honest enough to like you realize that if you love someone and if you're an adult you can go listen I love you this is not good (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I think Hermione too like she genuinely like loves school and loves learning and if there was structure to that class where she could walk away with increased knowledge I learned something she'd be like cool beans but Mm -hmm. like because she just walks in every day and like wonders if she's gonna lose a finger (laughs) she's like this goes against the institution of learning yeah and it also makes me laugh Hagrid's disdain for animals that he thinks are a bit boring like unicorns (laughs) where he's just like I could have brought unicorns too you know but why would I (laughs) they're just horses (laughs) They're so boring. I have no interest in them at all. Could they kill you? No. So who cares? (laughs) My life's not on the line. I do think like that is that element of like, there is this thing in him that's like, there's something very noble that like wants to prove that these animals are not, that, that the dangerous ones are not that bad. And I think there is also this, I don't know what it is. It's almost like ego, right? Like I can do it. Give me a challenge. If it's not a challenge, I don't care. But that's almost like, that's where it comes back to this idea of like, but that's not in the best interest of the animal. That's where like, it's, it's getting a little mixed up. I I just want to tame this wild beast. Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing as like understanding it. Like, I think it gets a little, sometimes his motivations get a little mixed up. And that's like when he like bites off more than he can chew, where he puts students in a dangerous position. I also think that it's easier for him to defend creatures that aren't easy to love because he doesn't relate to them as much he wants to care for these creatures are misunderstood in his eyes because that's the Mm -hmm. way he's been perceived for creatures like unicorns they're just too he's like yeah everyone would like them so -hmm. there's no no room for me (laughs) here like i don't i don't see myself in this animal but i do see myself in this three-headed dog because who else (laughs) who else would care for that but me yeah 
Do you think there's like an element too of like, or like could be an element of don't love the unicorn. Like if you love the unicorn, that might mean that you don't have space to think about the less lovable, the less pretty, the like more dangerous looking. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because that's just the way he's been treated, isn't it? He's been othered by everyone that he might not feel like there's room for him in other people's lives and other people's the fact like I I can't imagine him getting a lot of Christmas presents or cards I can't imagine people calling him for his birthday other than Dumbledore it's really heartbreaking like he's 50 years old and he's a drunk like and it's not because he wants to be I don't think he wants to be a drunk I think it's just it's like seeking comfort in these things that aren't being provided for him by other people I think one of the most heartbreaking moments in the books as well, when Hagrid has to carry Harry, who he thinks is dead, out of the forest. And yeah, like I remember in the books, Harry says that someone carries him really gently and immediately he knows it's Hagrid. And he's just, and Hagrid is crying and it's like splashing on Harry's face and Harry's like trying to like not move and stuff. (laughs) Like that's so Hagrid, but just so kind so like imagine yeah. being forced to, to carry the lifeless body of someone you love. Like that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking. And I, at the same time, I feel like Hagrid is the type of person to be like, but I don't want anyone else to do it. But yeah, me. you know what I mean? And he probably in a lot of ways would blame himself as well, saying I could have mm-hmm. done more. I should have done better. But mm-hmm. really, what could he have done? What do you think of his relationship with his half brother, Grop? Oh my gosh. Um... <laughs> That one is so, okay, to be fair, like, I don't remember all the details. So we'll have to, like, fill me in if I, like, if there's, like, missing pieces. I feel like they're, again, such a noble intention to bring him home. Like, so this is the part that I think, wasn't it, like, well, his mom had passed away. Like, he went to the giant colony to see if he could find his mom, and his mom had passed away. And then since Grop was smaller than other giants, yeah, he was being picked on. Yeah, is that right? So noble again, trying his best to help that, but just gets so murky when I don't. I, I mean, I don't know about giants. Maybe giants are completely content to be like tied up to trees in the Forbidden Forest. I don't know. Seems not like the best care. Yeah. And then like to be like, also Hermione, Ron, and Harry, can you like go to the woods? Dangerous. Period to help him to take care of him. I'm like, there's a lot of just puzzle pieces that never quite fell into place, you know, result in danger mm-hmm. because, because of what you're dealing with. But again, noble intentions. Yeah. Can you teach him English? <laughs> They're just like, what? Yeah. I think like, it's really interesting because Hagrid has never really, he talks about his dad and he talks, and he had obviously had a great relationship with his dad, but he seemed quite, he seems quite indifferent about his mother she left when he was quite young. So why he would feel this connection with Grop, it might be that because Grop is also othered in the giant community, he's also the different one. He's also being picked on for his differences. That Mm -hmm. I think that's what Hagrid relates to more so than him actually being his half-brother. I think Hagrid would have Mm -hmm. saved him even if he wasn't his half-brother. He would have gone, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not okay that you're picking on him. Let me take him out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. That is my hypothesis as well. And I think of it too as, again, this might just be because this is how I am. But like, if I see, like, I don't really care about birds, but like, if I see a bird on the ground, I think this happened. Like we saw a baby bird on the ground and I was like, 
this is my duty. Do you know what I mean? Like I love the idea that like I could help. I could change the course of this bird's life. I could save this bird's life. And I think Hagrid definitely gets a lot, gives off a lot of vibes that he feels that way. And that is also resonates with what you're saying. Like, so I don't think it had to be his half brother. It could be any creature, any person who like seemed like they were in need and he felt like he could be the one to help. Mm-hmm. It's wanting to be needed, isn't it? And it again, yeah. goes back to like that human connection that he lacks. I don't think he feels needed by anyone really mm-hmm. other than Dumbledore because Dumbledore's kind of fed that need of his. Yeah. If he's mm-hmm. like giving Hagrid all these secret missions because he needs him. Dumbledore could have probably done, but it's a very manipulative way of getting Hagrid on side as well. Of just going, mm-hmm. only you can do this thing because I trust you explicitly. You know what? It's been, like when I was actually first reading the books when I was a kid, I didn't like Hagrid. And I think, really? and I think it's because his flaws were just so easily, like, so laid out in the books, more so than Mm -hmm. any other adult in the books outside of the Weasley, outside of the Dursleys, I mean, that it was hard for me to, like, see him as a functioning adult. And -hmm. I think that's part of the reason why Harry, as well, doesn't really want to relate to Hagrid, is because he can see his flaws Mm -hmm. so clearly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I was thinking about it just as you were talking, and I think part of it for me was that Like when I first started reading the books, it was because my mom started reading them to my sister and I. Also, they came out later in the States. So like, (laughs) I don't even know what this was, but my mom was reading them to my sister and I, and eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to go read, you know, I I need to read ahead and I'm going to go read off my own. But even just having like my mom be the one who read them, like I remember her having a huge affection for Hagrid. And I think like it would make sense if like an adult is more able to look at this character and see it's okay if they have flaws. It's okay. Like that's Mm -hmm. not the point. Like you could still be a really good person. So like when she would like read Hagrid's voice and stuff, like I could tell that she had a respect and like an affection for him that has like always carried over for me. But, but I definitely think that's something that like for a lot of us at least comes with age versus like, if you just let a kid make a judgment about a person, they're like, you smell like baloney. I decided they don't like you. <laughs> it's probably why a lot of Hogwarts students probably don't like Hagrid. It's that they're just like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't get it. He's just not, he's not mm-hmm. a responsible adult in any way. So why would mm-hmm. I have him in my life? Yeah, he's not successful. Yeah. What do you love about Hagrid? Okay, obviously his kindness. Um, as you can tell, like his being such a good friend is like I said, I think something we should all strive for. Like if I die and people at my funeral, like what a good friend Mm -hmm. I will be honored. Also, obviously the thing I relate to the most is like this, that just the the animals, like that he cares for them, that he finds this like purpose in caring for them and like can throw himself into this hobby and like find purpose. Like I just relate to that. And I love that I love that that's part of his character is he's not just this big gruff looking guy who happens to be kind that he pours that kindness into caring for other creatures is very Mm -hmm. sweet to me. He pays it forward. What do you hate about Hagrid? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we've like touched on this a little bit already, but like I, here's, here's how I think about it. Newt Scamander is like on a way that I like compare it in my mind because Newt Scamander to me is like 
like I think Newt would probably be vegan. You know what I mean? Like he seems like the person who would like open an animal sanctuary to me or like in my perception of him, he is like the gold standard. I put the creature's needs first, then if I can study them, if it happens to be a creature who likes to cuddle, then I'll Mm -hmm. cuddle them. But my goal is not ownership or proving something or it's the animal's needs first. It's not what I can get out of them. If I happen to be able to get something out of that relationship, great. But my first goal is to provide a living space, a sanctuary for the animals who need it. And Haggard is, tries very hard still to care for the animals and provide the best care he can. But it just seems like his first goal in a lot of these situations is like, I just got to have it. Like, I just think it would be cool to have a dragon. And that's not animal welfare. <laughs> like that's not, it's just not the best thing for the animals. Yeah. I think that with Newt as well is that it comes from years of education of years of studying them that Hagrid wasn't afforded because Hagrid mm-hmm. was set up to fail in that respect where yeah. he wasn't given the opportunity to be able to become Newt's commander because I think he is capable of doing mm-hmm. that. If he was, if he was afforded those privileges, I think Hagrid could get yeah. to that level, to that like David Attenborough level, to who I think I'm sure... <laughs> I think J.K. Rowling probably based Newt's commander on David Attenborough. Of like, That's an adorable thought. <laughs> he's like a national treasure here. Like everyone adores <laughs> everything. You cannot say a bad thing about David Attenborough to a British person. They will lose their mind. The cult of David Attenborough. There was like this one woman on like a, TV, a reality TV show when she was just like, I don't like David Attenborough. I think his programs are really boring. And the... <laughs> the rage on Twitter the next day that she would even badmouth, not even David Ambra, the shows was like, <laughs> it was insane. And I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think she probably did base him on that. If Hagrid was sitting right in front of you, is there anything you would want to say to him? Is there any questions you would want to ask him? So knowing that this question is a question that you ask, I yeah. still... I like couldn't think of like a specific thing or I can't think of a specific thing I want to say or ask. I feel like if I had the opportunity to like meet Hagrid, <laughs> this is our celebrity conversation coming full circle. Yeah. I just would want him, <laughs> just want him to be my friend. And I feel like that's not something you just say. It's just something you like earn by like being around him and like being nice to each other. You like become friends. Like that's what I would want to accomplish. I don't know. I feel like Haggard is so desperate for human connection that if you went up to him and you went, can you be my friend? He'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Come around for rock take, rock cakes and tea. That's fine. Yeah. I hear you give really thoughtful gifts. <laughs> that's what I would say. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. An enormous thanks to my amazing guest, Laura, who I know I say this about almost every guest that comes on, but is genuinely one of my favorite people in the entire world. She is incredible. You can contact me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Tumblr on Potter Study Pod, or email me at potterstudypod at gmail.com. If you would like the next episode to be dedicated to you, please leave an iTunes or Stitcher review. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time. I love you. Bye.